This is USA Takedown. The best guests. All the hot news and predictions on combat sports of wrestling and MMA. With your host, the true American, Scott Casper. Connect with him now on social media and check out usatakedown.com. Now, it's time for USA Takedown. Hello again, everybody. It is Scott Casper. We are live today. This morning, we are live at Wild Rose Casino in Jefferson, Iowa. Big fight weekend here. Big pay-per-view taking place. We're going to be talking with both Monty Cox and Travis Dvorak, as well as Johnny Case, who's one half of the main event. Great outing back in July, his first boxing event. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about the card that's coming up uh, for tomorrow night. Weigh-ins will be tonight at the bowling alley, and it's always so much fun. And uh, I'm always um, surprised at how close these guys watch their weight. Man, they come in, there's a great deal of pride on the line when these guys do that. So they want to be able to represent, and uh, they don't want to be in trouble for the promoters. And it is a ext- um Extreme Maximus event, okay? So we're going to tell you more about that, and uh, that's coming up. Our our guests in the first hour, though, were last week it was Kevin Dresser. Our guest on the Defense Soap Newsmaker Hotline today is Kevin's counterpart. Both went to Humboldt High School. Both are coaches in the NCAA Division One. Both were outstanding wrestlers. I think they both won two state championships. Tony Erdsland, Purdue's head man, joins us now. Good morning, Tony. How are you? Good morning, Scott. I'm doing great, buddy. Uh, wrestle off tonight, and the season's upon us, so uh, I couldn't be more excited. How how many NCAA championships for you? Uh, I was fortunate when I was at, uh, I would be on four championship teams okay. uh, in my time there. You know, that was Coach Gable's, uh, you know, re- retired 97. So very fortunate to be on several uh, national championship teams during my career. And back in high school, you had uh, some great coaches up in Humboldt. You guys wanted to do this last year. Um, COVID has changed a lot of plans, <laughs> as you and I both yeah. know. But uh, this is a way for you guys to give back. I understand the event, which will take place December 19th in the Humboldt uh, gym. Uh, I've announced there it's a great gym, great uh, atmosphere, but it's already sold out is my understanding. Is that true? Yeah. You know, what they had to do is they did a lottery, uh, you know, for the, for the tickets. Mm-hmm. And so that lottery opened up, I believe, back October 15th. And right. so you had to get in then and make your ticket request. And then I'm sure once you were selected, you had, I think it was 48 hours to, to purchase those tickets. Otherwise, they rotated back in for the next person. So in, in high demand, for sure. I had uh, a couple weeks ago, I had uh, one of your old coaches on the show who's being inducted in the Iowa uh, Athletic Hall of Fame Um Great guy had so many good things to say about you and Kevin, and uh, you know the legacy that that uh, he provided. And we talked a lot about all the different people that went through that program over for a period of time, and then what he was able to do in helping to raise funds for the uh, statue of Frank Gotch at Bicknell Park, right along the liver there, river, not liver, but river. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a Freudian slip. I'm pretty confident it is. Anyway, so <laughs> great great stories, but Humboldt is rich with them. Take me back to your youth. How old were you when you started uh, wrestling? Oh, I believe I was you know around eight years old uh, when I picked up wrestling with the, the Frank Gotch Wrestling Club. You know, you okay. just kind of reference that with Coach Waspa and helping raise funds for the statue there. Um, so that that was my original club was the Frank Gotch Wrestling Club, and 
you know, started slow. It, it wasn't like it is today where, you know, you, you specialize, you know, just in wrestling. You know, I was involved in all the sports. But, yeah, I picked up my, my first first youth tournaments in the Frank Gotch Wrestling Club. How about that? And I don't know, did you take a tour of the home, go out to the mausoleum and that type of thing ever? I n- I'd never been out there. I mean, been by it many a time, but never had taken the tour or, you know, gone through it, I guess. Yeah, Mike Chapman and I both had our pictures taken in front of it. I don't know if that's a little weird or not, but that's what Frank Gotch <laughs> means to all of us, right? Absolutely, and I know Chapman's done a tremendous job with his books and those things from a historical uh, standpoint. Always appreciated, you know, how he's kind of, uh, you know, approached Frank Gotch and his um, importance in wrestling. Coach, the schedule uh, has been released, and Purdue is scheduled four Big Ten uh, national TV duels. Talk to us about the importance of that, spreading the love around. What does it do for you, and what does it do for recruiting? Well, I think it's big just because to be seen, right, it, it, it moves your, your brand out there, puts it out there for people to see, and they just become more familiar with your program, which is always huge for Purdue. You know, we, we've had some success now. I've been here for, for several years. Um, but we, I found that when I get you on campus and I show you the resources that Purdue has and the facilities and, you know, my coaches, like, we get very, very positive reactions. You know, so I feel strongly that as you become more familiar with our program through watching our kids compete on these duels, you know, that's going to continue to help us in those ways, right? And that's going to help move the program forward as we try to jump levels again. Coach, you, you uh, mentioned the wrestle-offs will be uh, taking place uh, today, right? Yes, tonight okay. at 7 o'clock. 7 o'clock, okay. And uh, I know that's always, uh, you know, you have a pretty good indication of what's going on, who's who's trying their best, who's working out hard, who's excelling. But um, wrestle-offs can also be exceedingly personal times, correct? Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, it, it's, it's interesting to me, you know, I, a lot of people get caught up in just results, and these guys wrestle each other daily, so, I mean, where I land on this, though, is I, I love watching the kids, how they go into competition, what their preparation is like, you know, how they're taking care of emotionally, where they need to be to compete at a high level. For me, it's more about watching everything leading up to to the matches, uh, more than just the matches themselves. You know what I mean? And now, the matches will give us an indication of where the guys are and things we need to work work on. But it's not just about that uh you know, the score, the result. It's more about watching how these guys go in about making weight, warming up, and then performing at a high level. You mm. know what I mean? And what their plan looks like, because that's what we'll be doing next week as we, as we really get ready to compete, is, uh, is tweaking that plan and, and what that needs to look like. Now we're talking with Tony Erzla on the uh, Defense Soap Newsmaker Hotline. This portion of the show brought to you by our friends at Barbarian Apparel and Here.com. Here.com forward slash Casper. All you got to do is enter that. By golly, you get the best prices, great service, and uh, outstanding product as well. One of the best in the, in, uh, in the world. January 9th is uh, on your TV schedule on the Big Ten Network. It'll be Purdue at Iowa. What are your thoughts about going back home? It's got to be a little bittersweet, yeah? Or an opportunity yeah. to do what Pat Papalizio did a couple of years ago? No, it, it'll be awesome. You know, and, and you bring up that weekend, and it's not only Iowa uh, for me. You know, that's that whole weekend because uh, January 7th, Friday night, I have Nebraska, which was eight years, you know, on my coaching right. uh, career. So I've got 
you know, uh, significant time there in Lincoln um, with, with great teams, and that's Friday night. And then we go to Iowa where, you know, that's my alma mater. So, so just a fun weekend of, of competing against teams that I'm very familiar with, programs that have done a great job, and, and, and we're excited man, for that opportunity to, to test ourselves. And we've got an experienced team, too, so, so I'm really looking forward to kind of those, those battles. Always aggressive. I think that's probably the watchwords for the Purdue Boilermakers. Um, you bet. And I, and I love that about you. You and I became friends when you were at Nebraska and maybe even a little before that. But uh, I've watched you get better and better and better each and every year. And that it really starts with recruiting. As a matter of fact, it was the 21st of the month where you added a, uh, a highly ranked heavyweight to, uh, to your uh, yep. program. Talk to us sort of about this because heavyweights are getting all kinds of attention these days with guys like Gable Stevenson and, and, and others. Yeah, it was something that was really, um, you know, um, you know, under the radar, I guess, you know, from, from a standpoint with that, you know, the, you know, I'm restricted in how much I can say about people and names, sure. but these are situations, right, where, man, we found out that somebody became available and was interested and, and the hard work that had been done in this program, right, attracted, you know, uh, attracted people. And so that's really how it came about. So again, you go back to what we're talking about where you say, hey, how does this TV kind of impact your program? You know, mm-hmm. as people see how our kids compete and some of the results that we're getting and, and how our kids are developing and, and the experiences they're having, you know, that, that's attractive to people. And so that's really how, how we came into that situation and, and we'll have a, a, you know, a mid-year transfer situation for this young man. There's a, there is a press release on the Purdue uh, sports.com website, and it does talk to us about the young man, an Illinois native, Hayden Kopaz. Uh, it's it's uh, signed him to a tender. What exactly is that? I've never heard that term in my thirty plus years of doing this. Yeah, so you know, you, normally what we think of is you think of like uh, national letter of intent, right? An NLI. That's mm-hmm. Those are what scholarship forms look like. But what most people, I guess, don't know uh, in the profession is you only sign an NL, NLI once in your career. After that, everything you sign is referred to as a tender. So that, that first year as a, as a high schooler going into college, you're going to sign the NLI, but after that it's going to be a tender, and that's how it's issued as, as a tender for your athletes. So that's just a little bit of a, of a change in jargon, I guess, but it's basically the same things as far as scholarship forms go. You were benefited um, or you received the benefit of getting uh, taught by several of the top guys out there. Mark Manning was on the show just a couple weeks ago, but yep. you were also around when Jordan Burroughs was in his collegiate infancy. And yep. to watch the program grow around you, around Mark, um, and around Jordan and James Green, et cetera, I mean, it was it was like watching a flower. You continue It continues to open. Or how about this? A better one would be an onion peeling the <laughs> layers of an onion back. There but, you go. You know, the Snyder as well. I'm not going to, I don't want to uh, miss Brian Snyder. But it, it's it's interesting to see how teams come together, they find their strengths, and they find what they need to improve on. I'll never say weaknesses, because if you make it to the NCAA level, I don't believe there is a weakness. I think some are stronger, but, that, yep. you know, that doesn't work for me. You agree? Yeah, no, I would definitely agree, and I've always been fortunate. I would go back through my career to be around some some great people, right? I mean, and that's always added to the experience and 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 kind of how you handle situations as you move forward as a coach. So, very uh, blessed to have been around, you know, Coach Manning, uh, Burroughs, Snyder. Like those are all guys that you know um, 
I value, you know, the kind of the experiences that they, they afforded me. You know, and mm-hmm. I could go all the way back. We don't have enough time today, but I just feel like my, my entire career that way from high school with a, with a Hall of Fame coach to being at Iowa, Coach Gable and everybody there, to just all the way through now, you know, Scott, I've been, been fortunate to be around some great people right. and to have some great experiences that, that served me well, I guess, as a coach. And the mark of a good coach, by the way, is a coach that's willing to share his knowledge and take you down that road with all along the way, sharing the experience, sharing the memories. But when it comes to um, recruiting, there's that initial contact. And this kid from Georgetown, Illinois, was ranked as high as number one in the nation at 285. This, this is a gift from, uh, like, mana from heaven. Yeah, uh, exactly. It just it, it's a, a really fortunate situation for us to fall into, um, but it's gonna it's gonna help us all the way around, right? I mean, it, mm-hmm. it, it gives us another guy who's gonna give us depth in our lineup. You know, this year we've returned with seven national qualifiers wow. with that clock extension, and and heavyweight is a weight that we are certainly looking to shore up. So again, just we feel really good that um, you know we're gonna have some depth in the room. Uh, uh, at heavyweight now, and that's going to, you know, it's going to make everybody better. We're at Wild Rose Casino in Jefferson, Iowa, right here in Greene County. That's not too far away from Humboldt. And we've got a big, big event this weekend. Uh, so weigh-ins are tonight, and the boxing and kickboxing event, uh, uh, Extreme Maximus, will take place at 5.30. First bout gets underway at 5.30. Uh, tomorrow night here at Wild Rose Casino. I wish you could be here, Coach. I don't know how affectionate you are toward boxing and kickboxing, but, uh, you know, these guys, many of them, like Johnny Case, when I have at the main event, started as a high school wrestler. And yep. uh, the dedication to training, the dedication to uh, being on track with your weight, uh, your intake, how you work with your family, those that are hiring you to compete, but being able to do it in front of a hometown crowd. I mean, he is a hometown hero on the national level, but also on the state level. And I think that's pretty cool. You were one of those guys when, as an athlete, you you competed uh, here in the state of Iowa. Is there a favorite memory or a favorite match that you take uh, and look back on at, at the high school level? The high school level, I'll tell you, um, we were fortunate. We actually, if you look, um, technically tied with uh, Osage for the, the dual team title in, in 2A. So that, that senior team that I had was a, was a great dual team. And uh, we reached the finals and actually tied. And it was an interesting uh, rule. There was a glitch in the rules and how they classified technical falls back then and how they were scored for team points. But we actually have a, a trophy, as does Osage High School, in our trophy case, it says 1992 uh, state dual team champions, and that certainly is is a heck of a way to end your wrestling career, you know, from a team win standpoint. I couldn't agree more. Um, I do want to recognize uh, uh, the balance of your coaching staff. Name them if you would, Coach. Yeah, uh, AJ Shop. Um, mm-hmm. You know, from uh, uh, Edinburgh, right? Edinburgh, fame, three-time All-American, 133 pounder, dominant guy on top. Been been great for us. Uh, Jake Souflone uh, wrestled for me, and I helped recruit to Nebraska. Uh, has followed me here to Purdue, and has been here with me several years. Um, tremendous competitor, and like I said, just a guy who's been with me a long time. And then Leroy Vega, uh, you know, an Indiana product, but who was a three-time All-American up at uh, Minnesota, 
was on two national championship teams for Jay Robinson up there as well, is my volunteer. And so, again, a very strong staff. They've been in a lot of, on a lot of great teams and accomplished a lot of good things for themselves as well. So good mentors and coaches for our young men here at Purdue. It seems like you're running uh, at full speed right now. I understand <laughs> rest loss tonight, right? But your yep. first scheduled event uh, will be against the Dragons of Drexel. That's right, mm-hmm. yeah, East Coast Swing. Yep. So uh, next Saturday, uh, Drexel, um, I, I believe it's a noon first match, and then we do Ryder that night as they're only 45 minutes away. So we're going to have two dual meets in the same day, um, but obviously locations located very close to each other. So uh, looking forward to really kicking off the season in earnest next week. And Ryder, coached by John Hange, um, yep. you know, there's a lifer. <laughs> yeah, my man's been around a long time. Big Turned time. out a lot of good kids, and uh, you know, love John, respect him a lot, and so it was nice that we could get them on the schedule as well. You know, as as we kind of get the season going. Do you know if uh, for the Iowa State event is is there any plans to broadcast that? Uh, I think streaming wise, what I've been told, I think is slow. I don't know about anything else at at this point. Um, okay. That would really be a, uh, a Coach Beeman, uh, you know, up at Humboldt High School Wrestling question that I would throw to them about if, if they're doing radio or how they're doing it. But I do believe flow is on the live stream. Oh, that'll be terrific. We want more, uh, more people to see this uh, contest between, you know, the Big Ten and the Big 12. And yep. uh, I, I just think that's a wonderful thing. Tony, it's always good to talk to you. I know you've got a busy day, uh, just like every day. It seems like you're always running and running hard. But I'm looking forward to seeing you coming up in December at uh, at your home, your alma mater, if you will. Same with Kevin. It'll be great to see two teams tied up in Humboldt, Iowa. December 19th. Tickets look to be sold out, but keep your eyes open. Bet you somebody releases some. Yeah, I appreciate that, Scott. I mean, it's going to be... It's going to be a really special event. You know, you talk about me going back to Nebraska and and, and Iowa, mm-hmm. uh, right? Which is you know near and dear to my heart. But uh, you know, to be in Humboldt uh, with Division One wrestling is going to be awesome. I appreciate the time today, buddy boy, and I look forward to seeing you in December. Have a great kickoff to the season, and we'll look forward to seeing the results. Thanks, Scott. Always a great catch up with you, man. Thanks, buddy. That's just, well, he's become a silver fox. I don't know if you've seen recent pictures of Tony Erslund. But dude's got a great head of hair where mine is. I'm still trying to grow it out, and it looks like a mess. But Tony can wear it well. I can't. Tell you what, we're going to take a quick time out. We are live at Wild Rose Casino and Resort in in Jefferson at Greene County. And I tell you what, we've got a a weigh-ins tonight at the bowling alley. We're going to be joined by Monty Cox to uh, bring with us uh, or bring to you the tale of the tape of what kind of fights, who's going to be on the card, and uh, that's all taking place tomorrow night. First fight tomorrow night, a little different time, is uh, start at 5.30. So i got to believe doors are at 4.30 or quarter to 5. Yeah, doors at 4.30. All right, stay tuned. There's a lot more. This is USA Takedown from Wild Rose Casino in Greene County. Stay tuned. There's more. Think you heard everything? Stick around. You ain't heard nothing yet. More USA Takedown after this. Hello again, everybody. It is Scott Casper, and this is, uh, well, it's fight weekend. And when Monty Cox shows up, 
Extreme Maximus Boxing takes place. It's called Halloween Fight Fest. A few tickets do remain. Doors at 4.30, fights at 5.30. You can purchase your tickets online at wildroseresorts.com. Scan around. You'll see a great picture of Johnny Case, who had an outstanding performance uh, in the uh, first boxing event of his career, as I understand it. But that was back in July. And uh, he's been working, working hard, bettering his skill set. I think people are starting to understand that if you're going to extend your career, you better be ready to extend it in all areas of combat sports, not just in one area. Would you agree with that? Uh, you probably need to ask Monty that, but that seems to be the way it's going here. I mean, since we've done some boxing and kickboxing, I think this is our third or fourth event where we've switched over from MMA to boxing, kickboxing. We found a lot of MMA people moving over, one, to work on their skill sets. But two, watching this, I, I think you might be right, and I'll let Monty answer the question, and he can definitely tell me if I'm wrong, but... You know, I see this as an opportunity for some of these MMA fighters to extend their career in you know one discipline or another because at some point you probably have to focus on something. Well, you do, but, it, you know, it's always about making money to pay the training bills Absolutely. to make sure your family is taken care of. Um, last time we were here live on the air with you, uh, Kira Jones, our producer, had asked a question about uh, machine selections. How does that happen for gaming machines in the casino? And you just got back a couple weeks ago from Las Vegas, and it was a consumer show of sorts, but yep. it was for industry, right? Yep. Every year, minus last year's COVID, every year the casino industry has a convention, and, of course, it's in Vegas. Where would it not be, right? Mm -hmm. And that's where you get to see kind of newest and latest and greatest things and stuff that are coming out. And I remember last time you did this show here, the last fight we did with Johnny Case, Kira asked me if I ever gone on the show and just saw some things and rolled my eyes and said, no way is this going to work. <laughs> <clears throat> so she caught me on the spot, and I couldn't think of much at the time, except for a few things. And then five minutes after I got off the air, I remembered something from a few years ago. Well, lo and behold, I came out this year, and I found something that I had to kind of smile and smirk, and it's either genius or the exact opposite. I'm not sure which one. But if you've gone to uh, like a Chuck E. Cheese or... Some other places, you had the claw machine. Sure. Ah, uh, there it is, right? There is a claw machine out there that they it, that's for gaming now. <clears throat> Not only is it at the convention, but I saw it at a couple of casinos, so it's actually out there being used. And, yeah, you go in, you put in your 5, 10, 20 bucks, whatever, and say a dollar a spin. So there's no spinning, so you put a dollar, you hit the button, and you do the claw machine. you got the joystick and the whole nine yards, picks up a ball, and then it drops it up there in front of this platform, and it tells you how much it is. And it's slot machine math, so, you know, it's it, instead of spinning, you're moving a claw. So you never know if you get one, so you can get nothing. But you might get a buck, you might get 100, you might get 1,000, you might get 10,000. And I looked at that, and I thought, well, that's kind of neat. But I said, there's just no way. It's not a slot machine. But they're trying to make somehow the claw machine a way to gamble with. And I, so I... I talked to the manufacturer and the salesman, and I said, what do you think? He said, well, we got this a few places doing really well. I said, well, and these are bigger places with a lot of traffic. And I said, well, should I get one? He says, no. <laughs> <laughs> At least he was honest. Yeah, he says, you're too small. <laughs> um, you know, some people will go gamble. They'll sit on a blackjack table for hours and play, or they'll hit the craps table and play for hours, or they'll hit it, sit at a slot machine and play for hours. This is one of those that when you pass by, you, you throw in a few bucks, see what happens. So you need a lot of that traffic. So um, a casino of our size in Jefferson, Iowa, he just looked at me and said, no. That's, well, at least you looked at it. I did see another. It was fun. I did it like twice, and then fun was over. I saw a deviation on the theme, okay, 
a different look at the theme yeah. where you put a harness on a person and you're lowered into um, a big pit and you can use your legs, your feet, your hands, your arms, and you gather as much as you can and then your uh, cooperative partner will actually lift you up and take you over to a platform <laughs> and what stays on the platform is yours. No. I thought that's where you were going with this. Nope. Mm-mm. No thanks. I'm you don't good. want to do that? No. Nope. Well, I'm all that right. Might, that might be next year's show. <laughs> I love and it. then I thought about this, and it, 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 when I went to Vegas, I saw this. This was something I saw as a concept about three, four years ago, and I never thought it would make it to a casino floor, but by golly, it did. And for those of you who remember back in the day, you might go to a carnival or you might go to a, a, I would Dave and Buster's would around back then. But you'd see be like the size of a pool table, and you would bet on these horses, these mechanical horses yeah. running in circles. Yeah. Well, they had those old machines, you know, 20, 30 years ago for fun or maybe at an amusement park or something, right? Well, some company came up with a concept to make that a gambling machine. So you can go there and bet on like you're betting on horses at, at, a, at a racetrack, and, you know, you can bet the trifectas and the wheels and all that stuff. And But they have this – it's the size of a pool table or bigger, and you watch these horses go do a race in a circle, one or two laps, and – it's all randomized, so you never know who's going to win, and you just make the bets. And I didn't think, and then I thought, well, it's kind of neat. What's it costing me, the price tag? I can't remember what it was, but I remember as soon as I heard the price tag, I said, there's no way it's going to take me like <laughs> five years to, to get my money back on that one. But what I found funny about it was they had different things. So it's horses, but, you know, you can take the horse off because this is all mechanical. That's what it's- For looks, right? It's got a lot of computer to it, don't get me wrong. But the, the visual part is you're watching mechanical horses, right, going in a little circle. Well, you can take the horses off and put reindeer on during Christmas oh, time. Oh, cool. And then they did one where you could take out the racetrack and put in what looks like a, like a, like a, a lake and do boats. And then they did one where you could put old people in wheelchairs. <laughs> what? Yeah, seniors in wheelchair racing. And I, you, 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 yeah, you had to laugh. I didn't know that was a thing. I didn't know somebody wouldn't get it's offended, hilarious. but <laughs> you had to laugh at it. And I thought, well, this ain't going to make it. Well, I went out to Vegas this year, and there was a casino that had that one. They had the old one and this new thing. And here's the funny thing. One of them was full. One of them was empty. Guess which one was full? The old one. The old one. Mm-hmm. People get used to it, though. But they didn't have the old people in the wheelchair. They only had the horses, so there like, you go. If I play a machine, I go to the machines that I've had experience with, and I understand them. Wheel of Fortune is a good example of that. There's been several iterations of Wheel of Fortune, and um, some of them are great big ones. Yep. Some are small, but that's an option or that opportunity to get a second spin or a third spin or a fourth spin seemingly for free. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and Wheel of Fortune, on, on the gaming side of things, there's never been a bad Wheel of Fortune game, and they do different variations of the wheel, but people just love it. Yeah. It's been a, it's been a, a very popular concept. Was was f- not foosball, but to, um, uh, pinball. Pinball. Was that ever something that people gamed on? No, not not that I not not that I've ever seen. I was. I'm surprised somebody hasn't tried it. Right. Yeah. Because they're, you know, the bumpers have different valuations. Yep. Your job is to put points on the board. I've seen it. I take that back. I've seen it as a bonus round, not the game itself, but a bonus round where you go through this pinball. So yeah, I've seen a video version. He can vision a slot machine. The top of it was a video pinball machine, and that was like if you got in the bonus round, it shoots some balls up, and 
I don't think you did any physical thing because there's some about called game of skill versus game of chance, and you, you it cannot be a game of skill because you can't have somebody who, you know, let's say you're a slot player and you have a bad arm. Mm. You know, that's not fair. So we got to keep it fair, obviously. So, but I've seen it where you get into these. You kind of you get you get to watch these these pinball things going on, but you don't get to play like a pinball machine. I never thought about that. <clears throat> yeah. How how different things can be seen and looked yep. at, and the changes that yep. you would have to do to make it fair for everybody. Yeah, and that's why I think last time I was on the show, we talked about uh, they did uh, breakout, and uh, I think it was breakout and pong, mm-hmm. and those games are out there, and I kind of played them at the convention, and I didn't do very well. <laughs> But you, we could not bring them to the state of Iowa, and rightfully so, Iowa is correct. They want to make sure that everything is a game of chance, not a game of skill. Because, again, what if you have a bad arm or maybe, you know, you're just here to gamble. What if you don't have that type of skill? You know, let, let's say you you just have a bad arm, you know, you have a disability. Never thought of this. Yeah, and so we got to keep it fair for everybody. And I think that, that's a good rule. That's, I think, one of the reasons why. You can why keep it fun without having put that skill in there. But that's one of the reasons why Wild Rose Casinos are so popular with fans, because you do have an opportunity to treat them with respect, making sure that the gaming opportunities and the percentage of win versus loss is right up there with the big guys. I mean, this is this is what you look at. You know you're going to have fun while you're at Wild Rose Casino, either in Emmitsburg or Clinton or here in Jefferson. It's always a goal. We always want to be clean. We always want to be safe, but we always want to make sure you have a fun time. You are gambling. You are going against odds. That's any casino. But let's, you know, have fun doing it. Right. Otherwise, what's the point? Now, I know that going to, and we're going to talk a little bit of COVID here, because yep. wrestling and gaming were two t- uh, things that really showed that both activities could be done and done safely. Yes. Okay? Yes. Uh, many have put up a lot of plastic uh, partitions, yep. you know, bearing that expense. But in wrestling, we did masks, we did uh, pods. In other words, we put people in pods where they couldn't be in touch with anybody else for a period of days. Uh, Now, if you are vaccinated twice, you don't need to wrestle with a mask on. Every conference is going to be different, and every school in each state is going to be different. But for the most part, wrestling has led the way in holding safe events. And I know that that was a big concern for you, Tom Timmons, the rest of the GMs, and, of course, Gary Kirk. Well, like I just said earlier, we always want to be safe and clean, mm-hmm. and that's that's always been a priority even before COVID. <clears throat> so with COVID, I think we're already halfway there, three quarters way there. But then we step it up, and then um, took a lot of our guidance from not just the CDC, but more so from the, the the county hospital. They really were our were our measuring stick on what we should and shouldn't do, and because they could really see what COVID was doing in our area. So we want to be area specific and. But we took a lot of measures at everywhere else. When we needed plexiglass in place, so we used plexiglass. We did social distancing for a while, partitions between slot machines. Uh, we spaced out blackjack tables, and we had hand sanitizer everywhere. Uh, we just made sure that everybody had every opportunity to keep their distance, stay clean. Um, sometimes we required masks. Sometimes we didn't, depending on what the county wanted us to do. Right. Um, again, we're not health experts, so we follow the health experts. Follow the science. Um, yeah. And so... Um, but we, we took all the measures, and we tried to not overdo it, uh, make sure it wasn't a political thing, because some places it was a political thing, and we don't – if you want to go to politics, go go watch a cable news show. If you want to come here, you're here to gamble or have a good time or go watch a fight. But um, we really we did really well, I think, um, uh, 
we only had a few cases here at work, and we, again, worked with the local hospital on the things we need to do and when to wear a mask, when not to wear a mask. But we, one thing that we did do is we, shut, we lowered our hours, reduced our hours so that we could spend more time cleaning. Mm-hmm. And we always felt that cleanliness was probably the biggest priority of all of that. I mean, the mask, I'm not saying you should or shouldn't. The vaccines, I'm not saying you should or shouldn't because if I give an opinion, it would be a political statement in some opinions. But I always felt no matter what, cleanliness was the key. All right, so if you've been paying attention, I couldn't agree with you more, by the way. Uh, The PFL had their championships night where they crowned six brand-new millionaires. A couple that were supposed to win did not win. That's always the result when you you have high expectations for, like, a Clarissa Shields. Right. Well, she's a champion boxer in three weight classes, also gold in the 2012 and 2016 Olympic Games. But she had experienced her first loss. Okay. Yes. And, and several of the guys, like Martin Hamlet from Norway, he was on the show last week. He experienced a first round loss. Okay. So you never know. And it, it could be any number of reasons. Maybe it could be your opponent is exceedingly gifted. Okay. But the PFL really did a great job. And so, by the way, Shields drops to 77 and 1. Yeah. Think about that. But, you know, the good promoters, and I think this is what you're seeing as a good promoter, and, and I, I, I've seen this watching Monty work a lot. A good promoter really knows how to get those matchups. I mean, so you could credit the promoters. It may look on paper one way, but you get a good promoter who has a good eye and understands the things. They know where the matchups are and aren't, and so they, you know, their goals always have good matchups because you want a good fight. Right. And, yeah, you, you root for a certain person to win, but, you know, blowouts aren't fun. First-round knockouts aren't really that fun, so... I, I think that goes credit to the promoters for matching that up correctly. Also, the state of Iowa, the the athletic yes. commission, they're the ones that are in charge of the doctor. They're the ones that are in charge of the uh, the judges. Okay, uh, we have to respond as announcers to yep. the officials as well, and, and rightfully so. There, are, do you know that there are some states I work in, whether it's Florida, I'm not allowed in the cage until they tell me it's okay to get in the cage or the box ring. Some states I have to buy a license yeah. for a hundred to two hundred dollars just to, to announce. Really, oh, that, that to, doesn't surprise me. Yeah. Some probably guess what states those are. Yeah, and, <laughs> the same states that have toll toll booths. <laughs> it just always amazes me. All right, so let's get back to Wild Rose. Um, there is uh, entertainment coming up. It's on the board already. Morgan Miles scheduled to get underway. Here at Coach's Corner for a free concert, November 13th, 7 to 10 p.m. There's a meet and greet as well. I don't know much about her, but I do know a lot about David Anthony. I know a lot about uh, One Night a Queen. This is a show that will take place in March. You've got to get on the schedules for these popular shows well in advance. Yeah. The Morgan Miles will be really fun because we're going to do this one, Coaches, up and becomer, but um, get a chance to go on YouTube, listen to her music. Very wonderful voice. We're going to do this in coaches, so it's up close and personal. It's free, so you can sit there, eat, drink, and she's right there, and then you'll be able to mingle with her and all that interaction. That's going to be wonderful. We've done some concerts like that, and it's it's great. People do respond very well to that. Um, and then, of course, David Anthony, we've had him before. Ironically, speaking of COVID, we booked him about a year, a year and a half ago because of COVID. He couldn't come, so we finally found a time where we could both get together, so we're going to do it over New Year's. And well, that's you know, fun. Oh, and he's just hilarious, and he's a great magician. He's just—it's a great way to spend New Year's Eve. He's going to make twenty twenty one disappear. Yes, he was. Yes, he is. And uh, somebody had to have brought that yes, up before. Yes, about being right there, and uh, <laughs> a lot of people will be happy to see that. Now, the ceremonial championship belt 
uh, is sitting in front of me. This is something you uh, commissioned a belt manufacturer to make. It shows the logo of the fight promotion in the middle, and of course the Wild Rose logos on either side of the plate in the middle. You like to get these things signed, and then they become decorations. Yep. Okay. For those who haven't been here, um, and maybe those who haven't, you, you see we kind of have this wall of fame. Um, we have guitars from concerts. We have pictures. I have. Uh, we've had several fights in the past. We have several different belts, and we always like to have people that come here leave a mark here. So when we see the guitars, I'm looking at one of Scott Stapp of uh, Creed signing a guitar. Um, and so we have fights here, so I get the fighters to sign them. So you'll come up here, you'll see several belts from from past fights and with all the fighters that can sign and we put them on display. So we like to show people what kind of entertainment we do bring. You know, we're Jefferson. We're yeah. a town of 5,000. Green County is a town of 10,000. Um, Gonna put on probably gonna put on my casino little little advertisement hat here, but casinos come in and they do a lot of they they're fun for gambling, but they do things for communities. And to think if you live in a town of five thousand or county of ten thousand, to think that you could get an Oak Ridge Boys to come to your town, right. or you can get uh, an MMA fighter like Johnny Case who used to work in the UFC is over there with the uh, Rise and now come here to fight. And right. You see these big events of one sort or another. And we can get them here, and it's great. And so we like to celebrate and advertise it. And the best thing we do, we do it as a partnership for the community, community yes. benefits. Yes. And so do the employees here. You guys are a big yes. employer in this part of the state, and we appreciate that. Always good to talk to you. I know that you're going to be hanging out, but uh, Monty Cox is coming up next. Kira Jones is going to have my... Uh, my hind in here if I don't go to break. Yep. So we're going to do it this portion of the show brought to you by Wild Rose Casino, Jefferson, Emmitsburg, and Clinton. It's Scott Casper. Stay tuned. Monty Cox is up next. USA Takedown is brought to you by Barbarian Apparel and Kaldenberg's PBS Landscaping. Stay tuned. More USA Takedown after this short timeout. All right, welcome back to the show. We are live and on the road this weekend. We do it uh, every few months. Wild Rose Casino Resort here in Jefferson. Monty Cock brings uh, brings the show in with his partner Scott, and uh, what a great team this has turned out to be. Extreme yeah. Maximus, right? Well, been a lot of fun. Yeah, pull that microphone right close to it, would you? Well, if okay. I do that, they'll be able to hear me. Yeah, well, that's part of the <laughs> secret of radio. Oh, All right. radio. So sitting behind you. With his mm -hmm. back to you, yes, is a guy I did not recognize when he walked in. Well, it's because it's been old. a while since I've seen him. Yeah, Jeremy Horn, he's gotten old on us. Oh yeah, like we like we stopped growing. <laughs> he he in was, many he ways. was he was young when he started. Legendary promoter Monty Cox is joining us. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the uh, card. You have seven or eight bouts for tonight. Seven, seven, or for tomorrow night, I should say. So 14 fighters in total. Uh, this is a pay-per-view or scheduled to be one? Yes. And how much is the pay-per-view? Twenty-four ninety-five. And how do people get that? Um, all they need to do is go to our website, which is ExtremeMaximus.com, or they can go to the Wild Rose website, and there's a button to order, and it takes them to a website called Spectation Sports. And if they haven't ordered before, they they just select the free sign up and they it takes their information and then they can get the pay per view. Is that that's it? That's it. It's pretty simple. You? Okay. 
Let's talk about the fighters that are on the fight card because you do have a main event scheduled with Johnny Case. Correct. And this uh, Dirty Ryan Ant... Ant is it Antle? <laughs> yeah, Ryan Antle. Yeah. And he's... Um, this looks like something... You, you were talking earlier about it uh, hard to put odds on this particular fight. Why is that? The, the one with Ryan? Yeah. Well, both guys are not really boxers. Mm-hmm. They're, they're MMA guys. I mean, if this is an MMA fight, Jeremy's a huge favorite. All right. Um... You know, Jeremy's got over a hundred wins. He's he's the guy, and but Antle was known as a striker, and and with power power hands, and um, it evens it up a little bit and stuff. And Jeremy's, you know, he just likes to stay busy. He likes to he likes to compete. So you can ask him more about it then. But it, it's you know two MMA guys trying a different sport, and that's a good thing. You yeah, know, broaden those wings. And by the way, you're. You do something that I used to like to do as a concert or show promoter: give winners watches. I oh. love watches, <laughs> and uh, I just thought, is it Necker's Jewelry that you do the promotion with? We just did it one. It was just a one-time thing, but I yeah, we had a we had a big main event, and so we had a jewelry store uh, in return for advertising, give away a couple of nice watches to the guys. In the world of of mixed martial arts, right now, we're going to deviate just a little bit. Um, the PFL did something a little different. Mm-hmm. Pro Fighters League actually assembled a season where there's a beginning and an end. It wasn't yeah. just an ongoing rolling rock. A very short season. But when they originally started, they were going to do a four-fight regular season and then the tournament. Mm-hmm. And that got shortened to a two-fight regular season. It's a pretty short season. Was it last night or the night before the end of the season? Think, yeah, okay. Four. They had six uh, brand new millionaires crowned. Yep, not all new ones because two of them were repeats. Right. So they were millionaires from last year, but they, uh, yeah, I mean it's it's an incredible prize uh, for that kind of money. Um, it's, it's a life changer. Yeah, it, it you know the UFC it takes you years to to build yourself up to make that kind of a check. Mm-hmm. Where in the PFL, if you get in it. You fight two fights. If you qualify for the final four, you, you win two more and you're a millionaire. I mean, it only takes four fights uh, to, to win a million. So pretty we, pretty good stuff. We talked about one of the odds-on favorite to win that million bucks, Clarissa Shields, at 26 years old, yeah. and her amateur career all by itself, 77-1. Think about this. This is her first taste of defeat. Yeah. How does a fighter handle that? Well, I mean, I think like anything, it's uh, it's a different sport. I mean, she she's great in boxing, but that doesn't mean she's a good bowler or can play tennis. Uh, this is that different, you know. When when you're in a sport where all you have to worry about is throwing hands, right? That she's the best at that. But the, but MMA is not that. Uh, obviously, I mean, everyone's going to take her down. No one's going to stand with her. And I've always saw MMA as a um, rather than talk about people's strengths, it's the weaknesses that that get you in trouble. Right. If you can't wrestle, or if you have bad hands, or you don't know jujitsu, if if you're weak in any of those, they will exploit it. That's where a good trainer, a good corner man, uh, a, a former fighter himself, Pat Milicic, is invaluable because yeah. he will help you um, see your weaknesses. A lot of times, you don't want to see them. Okay. Yeah. And he's going to point it out to you, and you're going to work on it to try to take away that weakness and perhaps yeah. even turn it into a strength. You can I, negate it, but yeah, I've had guys that uh, 
that that are really good strikers and um, wrestled their whole life and for the life of them can't make it to a jiu-jitsu class. And it's because they don't want to lose. They don't want to go and get tapped out. And you got to you have to put your ego and everything aside in this this sport and and uh you got to go in and if you're not getting beat and tapped regularly in your gym you're in the wrong gym Mm -hmm. you're you're the teacher not the pupil yeah at some point by the way i'm looking at pictures of the last event they were taken here yeah place was jam-packed yeah i don't know what ticket sales are for this one but i understand it's pretty close scott did a remarkable job he and his uh i believe his wife right and you and your Ex- wife? Yeah, ex-wife. Ex-wife. Yeah. And we all got one. <laughs> no, I, yeah, I do. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So I want you to go through the fight card as we know it today. Uh, weigh-ins are tonight at, uh, is it Spare Lane? Spare, yeah, yeah, Spare Time Lane. Spare Time Lane. There it is. Spare yep. Time. This, this is a good card. And, I, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to, you know, hopefully we'll get Scott on here because he's, he's the mastermind with boxing. That guy, he knows boxing like I know MMA. Okay. And so it's it's fun to watch him work. You know, when he says, like our last show, we had a, a main event guy, uh, Sean West. He's 7, 2, and 1. And we put him in a in a main event against a guy that had lost 11 fights in a row. Wow. And people were just, I mean, they were calling the commission and all this. And so the commission calls, and I go, listen, this is a toss-up fight. You know, I go, Scott's assured me, and so... I go, let's go back and look at these 11 losses. Six of the guys combined to be 51 and 0. The other five combined to be 71 and 8. So the, out of those 11 losses, the worst guy he fought was 17 and 4. And so I go, now let's look at how he did. Did he get, was he getting knocked out in the first round of all of them? No. Distance, distance, distance. I go, this guy's a stud. You know, he just happens, he, rather than, building his record against lesser fighters, he's deciding to go out and fight the very best mm-hmm. and uh, get paid for it. And, and, and you also and, get better. Believe it or not, you yeah. do get better. You learn. Well, he, he fought our main event guy, and it ended up a draw, but he won the fight. I mean, pretty much everyone in the building knew he won the fight, and the local the hometown guy got a, got a draw. Uh, but, I mean... You know, all those to all those people that said it was a bad match. You know, right. you know that's this is why we do we do this. It's not luck. It's and Scott's a, the the main part of it. Yeah, he's a good matchmaker. I've noticed that um, from the first time I looked at these things, and I didn't have any questions about the last one, but I was deeply satisfied by the results. Yeah, the fans got their money's worth and then some. The fighters got to uh, compete in front of a very friendly crowd, mm-hmm. and it's not always that way. No. No, you know, I'll say this for uh, Johnny Case. Of course, he won, but even if he lost, his his crowd is um, very well behaved and mm-hmm. and uh, uh, cordial and professional. And you know, he, I don't that uh, the kid that he fought, you know, he didn't have a lot of experience, but Johnny had none. He had right. never had a boxing match, so you you know, sometimes we forget. Even like with Jeremy uh, tomorrow. Yeah, he's had a he's had a billion fights, but he's only one and zero as a pro boxer. So I, I can't give him give him a guy that's ten and one. It's a brave new Not world. Not fair. Yeah, it's all it's all starting over. So I I like pairing up the MMA guys together in boxing. I think it just gives a whole new look. 
and I don't know, you know what, uh, you know, you know Dana better than I have. He's only been a guest on my shows, but uh, you know him. You've negotiated with him. What are his thoughts on, you know, feature bouts like uh, what I would call a super fight or a hybrid? You know, Dana's pretty much a purist. He he likes what's going on in the UFC, and he he likes it that way, right. where the the best guys fight the best guys mm-hmm. to become champions. That being said. Dana likes what's ever working. Like, I mean, you can quote him way back saying, I'll never have a female fight in the UFC until it made sense to have a female fight. And he said, we're never going to go lower than 135 pounds until it made sense to go. So, you know, Dana makes a lot of statements, but it's what the, it's what the people want. Well, he said the same thing about wrestlers. You remember when I think Militich camp had five UFC titles in there and, there are a bunch of wrestlers, including Matt Hughes, mm-hmm. guys with great wrestling backgrounds. Well, he did change. He even denied saying that on my show. I said, I got it on tape, Dana. So I rolled the tape. Yeah. And you know what? There was a, a week or two later where he made a sizable donation to uh, his kid's school for the wrestling program. So wow. at some point, I think we learn. But Dana will talk before he thinks a lot of times, I think. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you yeah. think? Yeah. <laughs> He, uh, I mean, back, back in the day, you know, we battled a lot, and he, he made a new, he made a rule that no more than two fighters per weight class per manager. Now, the only guy in the world that affected was me, and so at the time, I, I had Militic in at one seventy and Hughes at one seventy. I also had in my stable Sean Shirk, oh my. who was at the time twenty twenty two and one, mm-hmm. and I had uh, Jason Black who was 20 and 0 and I couldn't get them in the UFC because he didn't want any one manager to have too much control. And so, so those guys suffered, they ended up getting in, but it, it, they had to suffer a lot before they got in for that very reason. That's something, you know, and, and the Pratitas have basically let, um, or at the time were letting Dana make some very, very important decisions. And, yeah. Um, I wonder how much better the UFC would have gotten sooner yeah. if he had not made those simple mistakes. You know, you know, it's it's one of those things. He they could have had ESPN a lot sooner, but Dana alienated them. Um, I went I, when I had uh, uh, when I had M1 Global. We went to New York and we I talked to a vice president from uh, NBC, and we were trying to get uh, our show on there uh, on NBC. And the, the vice president said, who is this Dana White? He goes, he goes, he called me up and started just cussing me. I haven't had anyone talk to me that way. He goes, in 30 years, he goes, he goes that whatever the UF, whatever that is, he goes, they'll never be on NBC. I guarantee you that. <laughs> and, that and that's the kind of stuff that, that, that happened. But you can't deny that he took a sport that was struggling. Oh, big time. And, and with the Fertitta's money, you know, pulled it out of the depths of extinction and made it what it is today. Well, I remember standing in his office with my old partner, Scott, his wife, mm-hmm. wife and uh, Dana, and uh, he said, uh, we're going to be on national TV. I said, of course you are. <laughs> yeah. you know, of course you are. You're losing a quarter million dollars of pay-per-view, and you're going to be on national TV. But yeah. two weeks later, it was a Spike announcement. Yeah. And Spike tried to put him under the carpeting. But Dana wasn't having any of that. 
I wonder how he, many flights there were to New York City to yeah, talk to the officers. He's a, he's a tough negotiator, and he doesn't take no for an answer. And so there was definitely a time mm-hmm. we needed him. The sport needed him. And But then there there also was a time that that we needed a real CEO, not a guy that calls names and does all that. It's I liken it to the military with Patton. There was a time that George Patton, we had to have that guy. Right. And then there was a time they had to get rid of him. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of how I saw Dana was. But he's hung on, and, and he's doing his thing. Let's go back to the card, if we can. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got about three minutes left by my numbers. All right. See if you can run down the, crowd, uh, the card all the way to the main event. Well, we're going to open with two local guys, um, Mikey Souter and Brian Valerio. We don't know much about either except uh, both managers or both trainers said, my guy's a wild man. So I put them against each other, and they'll open the show. Steve Varner, a um, guy from Clinton that fought last time and won, is going against uh, uh, another local kid. I think he's he's uh, from, like, Johnston or something okay. like that, and um, 200 pounds. Then the pros, uh, Leo Medell is a guy that is 2-0 and and up-and-coming. Thomas Allen loses a lot. He's pretty, that's pretty much a build em fight for Leo. Uh, Kenny Davis Jr., been fighting a uh, great amateur career, has won six in a row, I think. He's fighting Devin Parker, and Parker's the kid that took a 51-hour bus trip to fight, and I, I wrote a story on it, and it kind of caught fire. Everyone knows it. him. And then he fought for his last, last show and won. Um, then the, then it gets really good. Uh, uh, Bernardo Manzano, Mexican uh, boxer, you know, hard nose, comes right at you. And a guy named Deshaun Kennedy, who's from uh, the Michigan area, he's 0-3. And then you look at who he's fought, and the first guy fought is now 10-0. Second guy was an Olympian, who's now 12-0. And the third guy is 10-1. and And he went to distance with two of them. So we don't know how good he is, but he's pretty dang good. <laughs> and so we're going to put him with Manzano, and someone's going to win. And then, of course, Antel and Horn, two guys that between them have almost 200 MMA fights and uh, promises to be good. And, you know, for Antel, you just got to watch out for that body shot. Now, Horn, Horn has a mean body shot. Lots of shoulder in that. Yeah, and then uh, Joe Boris and Johnny Case. Um, Case had an easy time last time. Uh, Boris has an amateur background. He was an Indiana Golden Glove champ, right. um, better maybe pure boxer. But, man, I'll tell you, Johnny Case could make money boxing. He really could. We've talked about it. If he wins a world title in MMA, he may give boxing a shot before he's How done. How cool would that be? Yeah, he really could. If, if that's all he worked on, he's just got so much uh, so much athletic ability and, and power. And he's got that it factor. People love him. I mean, they flock to him. Yeah. You know, an hour after the show, people are still standing around. And that's hoping okay. to shake his hand. All right. So all I can tell you is that the weigh-ins are tonight. Six o'clock. Six o'clock. I'll be there to handle the responsibilities there. We have a pay-per-view opportunity. If you cannot be here in person, yeah. uh, check out the pay-per-view. You can go to uh, Extreme Maximus website or the Wild Rose Casino website as well. And these are these are really good pay-per-views. They're four camera shoots, and the guy that comes and does it for us does 90 pay-per-views a year. So it's it's top of the line. I'm looking forward to it. When it's your name on the line, it's always top of the yeah, line. I hope. Monty Cox. Thanks, buddy. All right, man. Thanks. 
All right, stay tuned. There's more. Hour number two is coming up next. It'll be a shortened hour. We're going to talk with Johnny Case, and then we're going to talk to Jeremy Horn, all in hour number two. So stay tuned. This is USA Takedown on ESPN. Stay tuned. Casper will be right back with more USA Takedown. All right, welcome back to the show. It is USA Takedown, and we are on the road in... Uh, Iowa, Green County to be exact, Jefferson, the town of 5,000, the community of 10,000. They come out for fights in a big way, and they proved it last time in July as Johnny Case uh, was victorious in a boxing match, and we're going to do it all again tomorrow night. Doors are at 4.30. Fights start at 5.30. Again, it will be a pay-per-view. Monty Cox and his partner Scott are doing an outstanding job of putting these cards together, managing the business side of it. What are you hearing from the... Uh, Athletic Commission, in terms oh, of are every, they everything's good. They're actually my next show. They're gonna tie in with us and do and do a uh, um, do a training seminar for judges and referees and tie it into the show. You know, John McCarthy loves to do that kind of thing. Yeah, he does. What a great guy. All right, next guest on the show on the live line, I think, is is our next guest here, Kira. Okay, very good. <laughs> You didn't want to tell me. <laughs> All right. Um, our first guest is brought to you in part by our friends at Here.com. He's on the Defense Soap Newsmaker Hotline. And what is turning out to be a very good guest on a regular basis, Johnny Case, former UFC fighter and now a boxer. Johnny, good morning. How are you? Good morning, guys. I'm doing great. Thanks this for having me on the show again. Yeah, this is going to be a great hour. I get to talk with you. I get to talk with Monty Cox. And I get to talk with Jeremy Horn. Oh, man. That's yeah. pretty awesome to be able to talk to some legends like that amen i'm honored amen. i'm honored to be a, uh, one of those three well i'll tell you one of those three guys is fat <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, all right earn so, that. so you were invited to be here in person in as much as that this is your hometown but you said you were going to float weight take uh, you know watch your weight make sure you're going to make weight for the weigh-ins how difficult is that for you and is it getting harder as you get older no it's 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 not too bad. This fight's at 169 pounds. Um, I usually fight at 155 for MMA. Um, so it's, it's not quite as hard. You know, I usually walk around about 185 pounds. So, um, you know, I was able to diet down a little bit to about 180, 179. And then, you know, the rest is going to be water weight. So it shouldn't be too, too difficult, um, for boxing, but, um, you know, hopefully, uh, hopefully there's, you know, some news of some MMA on the horizon, and uh, this will be just a, a nice little, you know, a nice little uh, prequel to the next weight cut. So. And I'm talking uh, mixed martial arts. Where? Valor Ballroom. It's a MCC promotional fight. I'll be announcing. Johnny, you're going to be producing. Yes, man. I can't wait for that. It's the biggest show, uh, you know, biggest show that we throw all year, the Thanksgiving Throwdown Show on November 24th. Um, you know, night before Thanksgiving, everybody's back home. Nobody's got to work in the morning, so you know, might as well come out and enjoy some drinks and watch some good, uh, good old American fist fighting. Except me, <laughs> I got to work the next day. Yeah. So. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Better be open, early start because people are going to start feeling tired from eating all that turkey and, and dressing. Dressing. All right. So, what have you been doing differently? How have you changed your uh, your training based on your past experience here in July? Um, honestly, I just, you know, I just been training more MMA, you know, where in July it was like, all I was doing this summer is working my, uh, my striking and, and, and whatnot. But, um, 
you know, this camp I, I did a lot more wrestling and, and jujitsu and, you know, just just more all around MMA training, you know, and I still got my striking in, you know, still did a striking class every day. Um, but instead of doing a striking twice a day, you know, I, I mixed it up and went back to my MMA training. And, you know, that's been awesome. It, it's, it's been great for my cardio. It's been great for, you know, my mindset and my movement and yeah, just, you know, back to, back to my roots in a way of, uh, you know, getting back to solid MMA training. I'm going to ask you this question because I don't really know the answer to it. Okay. If you look at all the greats, uh, the Forrest Griffins, Bob Blue Sobral, uh, Gilbert, uh, Anderson Silva, Frank Shamrock, Chuck Liddell, Dan Severn, who still looks good at, what is he, 80? Uh, at least. Um, <laughs> but who, who do you look up to in terms of who are those great fighters? And there, obviously there's more than I've just named, like Matt Hughes needs to be in the mix, and so does Pat Miletic. But of those fighters and others, who did you look up to in your early career? Yeah, it was definitely Matt Hughes. You know, Matt Hughes and then, uh, you know, Randy Couture, um, you know, guys like that, good, like, re- like all American wrestlers who would come in, you know, and just ground and pound the piss out of, uh, piss out of guys, you know, and just that, that Iowa work ethic, you know, and just yeah. not afraid to get your hands dirty, not afraid to work hard and, and go after what you want, you know, and those guys, you know, like, I, and I, I recognize that, um, that discipline aspect. Um, it was kind of instilled in us, you know, from a young age, peewee wrestling, you know, and yeah. it's that American, you know, that the Iowa Midwest tough kind of grit, you know, it's just, you know, Iowa, you know, Midwest is pretty unforgiving, you know, in, in the <laughs> winter times, you know, and it's pretty hard to be motivated to, to want to do anything, you know, when it's negative, you know, degrees outside. So, um, you know, the fact that we not only make it here, but we thrive here, it really says a lot about, you know, our will and, and our drive and our fire inside. Did you ever see that post on uh, social media? It said, Bas- uh, due to the inclement weather, basketball uh, meet for tonight has been canceled. The basketball game for tonight at the high school has been canceled. Wrestlers are expected at 3.30. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, perfect. You, that kind of says it perfect. Right. You know I'm from Indiana, so it's, you know, I don't find that very humorous. <laughs> Got to look beyond borders, wrestlers and fighters beyond borders. Yeah, when I moved to when I moved to Iowa, everyone kept looking at me and looking at me. And they go, "What's wrong with your ears?" And I go, "This is how they're supposed to look." (laughs) These are badges of honor. You know the the Matt Hughes thing. What you're talking about, uh, Johnny? He he lived with me for a year and a half, and. the guy is something else. I mean, he's up at six o'clock and, and just like, what, what are we doing today? You know, you want to, you want to build a new deck. You want to put a fence up. You want to go, dude, relax, man. <laughs> I, I work for myself. It's not even noon yet, you know, just, <laughs> and he's like, well, we got to do something. And, and that guy just, uh, go, go, go. And, you know, he, he, uh, when he was fighting Carlos Newton the second time, um, he, it's, it's 10 days before, the, before we leave. And he still hasn't shown up to camp. And, and I call him and, and I can hear he's outside. I go, what are you doing? And he goes, I'm, oh, Mark and I are putting a roof on a neighbor's house. And I go, geez, Matt. I go, come on, man. I go, you think Carlos Newton is putting a roof on somewhere? And he goes, take it easy, Monty. He goes, I know what I got now. He goes, I didn't know him before I fought him. Now I know. Right. And he showed up, did three days of training, got on a plane. And just beat the living bejesus out of Carlos <laughs> Newton, and so now how do you, 
you know, now he knows he can get away with it. And, he, you know, he didn't like leaving Hillsboro. You know, he liked it there in town and, sure. and, and doing the farming and stuff. So we had a hard time getting him to camp and getting him to train. There was a time not that long ago when he was in a very severe car accident. Train. A train train car accident? Yeah. You got hit by a train. Oh, my. Okay. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> like Ric Flair goes down an airplane, still wrestling to this day. You know, some of the athletes in our lives are absolutely amazing athletes and people. And we're talking to one of them. That's a, that's a question I wanted to ask you, Johnny Case, is um, there are guys out there that do a, a good bit of trash talking, okay? And uh, most of them are Irish. But they do a good <laughs> bit of trash talking, and then, uh, you know, they're still going to make a million, two million bucks or whatever their piece of the pay-per-view is or the gate. Um how is it you've stayed, for the most part, away from that kind of uh, carnival sideshow stuff? <laughs> you know, it's real simple. Uh, when I was young, when I was a young man, I was just starting off, you know, my pro career. You know, and I already had, you know, five, six fights at this point. And um, I was fighting for, you know, at the time, it was um, for a strike force contract, which, you know, was pretty prestigious, would made more money than, you know, I would ever seen at that point in my life. And I didn't really know how to approach it. I didn't really know how to be confident and be myself without being that cocky, kind of arrogant dude. So, you know, I, I was. I was that guy. I was kind of like, you know, talking all the crap and, you know, I'm going to go in there and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. You know, and then and then I found out when you talk like that, you got to go, go in there and back up exactly <laughs> yeah. what you do, you know, exactly <laughs> what you say. So, you know, it's a lot. And, and, you know, in this day and age, everybody's good. Everybody comes to fight. So it's just it's a lot easier on yourself. You you don't look like quite a douche if you just you know <laughs> keep your mouth shut, keep it humble, and and let your let your fight do the talking. Yeah, and some sometimes that all that trash talk just motivates your opponent. Right. I shut my exactly. mouth. Exactly. You know, there's, yeah, there's those are some of, of the quickest knockouts in in fight history, <laughs> right? Well, I'm still trying to get over that that Covington is Irish. <laughs> so, so, ah. you, you shocked me there when you said Kobe, I didn't realize <laughs> man he and Tyron just absolutely would not stop talking about each other and it got real personal and, uh, and for Tyron you know okay. makes a good TV announcer but um, I yeah. think he's on the downside of that extended career Covington had an entire country after him and and then had the had the cojones What's his real to last go name, fight Paul? to go fight in that country yeah <laughs> there's no way <laughs> i mean he, he could have legitimately been killed and no one would have lifted a finger to help him that's one thing i like about wrestlers true amateur wrestlers most of them they don't they don't uh talk smack okay yeah then jeremy um or jeremy um jordan burroughs will walk into the stadium in iran and they give him a standing ovation yeah. to shower him with gifts. That's something. Now, if he was if he was a trash talker, do you think they treat him the same way? Yeah, that's the respect. Yeah. And that's what I'm talking about, Johnny. And that is the perfect example of what Jefferson wants to see you be for not just your boys, right, but for all the kids in this area. They're looking up to you. They got an honest to God, real big time star, who's making his living doing something that's pretty darn cool. And I think you know that it's pretty awesome man i've been really blessed you know and um i never you know i never really thought i would be in the position i am today when when i started off this journey of mixed martial arts and you know combat sports but uh you know it's really an honor to you know to take take on that role you know and, and have 
have, you know, not only my sons, but, you know, the community sons all looking up to me as a role model, you know, and, and, and it makes me, you know, it makes me want to be the better, the best me I can, you know, and, and, and I've always wanted to be that for myself, but, you know, it definitely helps when you have, you know, all these other people looking up to you and yeah. um, just kind of keeps you sharp and keeps you on the right path. It is a responsibility, and we saw, um, my partner and I, we were commented that uh, you really have like an it factor. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I I go to sh- from show to show to show. That's all I've done for the last, you know, 25, 30 years. And very rarely do you see someone that people gravitate to like they do you. They, uh, people hanging around a half an hour no after the, the show. No matter the color of your hair. Yeah, it's- waiting to... <laughs> waiting to shake your hand and and they want to see you and and it's i mean you got something really special so it's um you know hopefully uh you haven't you're you're, i still see you as you're at the peak of your career you know you still you still got a lot of things to accomplish yet big time most definitely yeah i feel like i'm just getting started too you know i feel like before this whole covid situation happened and you know the world went crazy like you know I, i i was the best and i am the best you know i am the best i've ever been mentally, physically, um, you know, tactically, just everything all across the board. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's really my time to, uh, you know, make whatever I want out of my career. And, and, uh, you know, I'm really, I'm really, you know, um, really taking in this boxing and I'm really going to give it an honest run. You know, I really enjoy it. And, and, uh, I could see myself, you know, staying in in boxing long after I, I accomplished everything I wanted to do in the sport of mixed martial arts. How about uh, tickets, tables? What do you have available for people to buy directly from you? Um, so I'll be there at the weigh-in today. Um, at the weigh-in started at 6, but I'll be there early at 5.30. Um, I still have some ringside available, some general admission. Um, all my tables are sold. Um, so And I have a few VIPs left as well. So um, ringside are $60, general admission for 30 and your VIP seating is 75 which includes food and drink service on the stage. You know, one of the things I like about this, you give opportunities to fighters to make a little extra money, be a part of the sale of the event. Don't just show up. Yeah. Okay. You know, you know that's something uh, some fighters understand it. Mm-hmm. Other fighters, they're, they're so just starting out, and they're like, I'm a fighter. I don't sell tickets. And it's like, well, you're not a fighter for me. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the, the, bottom, the bottom line is if the, if the show fails, then there's nowhere for these guys to fight. That's right. You know, I mean, I'm putting on eight shows. Uh, a year mm-hmm. with it with you know an average of probably 16 guys a show that that's a hundred and some you know paychecks i i put i put out to people and and uh there's not much boxing going on in iowa just no. a couple of us so you know we need to succeed and i this is how i make my living if I, if my shows don't make money I can't. I I got bills like everyone else. Right. You know, I got to get paid high, too. So just I have a really going. high food bill. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Hy-Vee is living off of me up in Michigan. So, so are there Hy-Vee stores up there? Oh yeah, really? Just a couple. I go to Kroger actually. Oh, good. But, but I, bad. I was trying to do that. I was trying to do the Iowa tie-in. Well, that's nice. You hit him up for a sponsorship now. All right, Johnny. We're looking forward to seeing you at the weigh-ins tonight again. Weigh-ins at six o'clock. I know you're going to be there and be prepared. It'd be good to see you. It'd be great to see you guys too, Monty. Right. Thank you so much again right. for uh, having me on this card, and I can't wait to put on a show for you guys. Sounds good. Thanksgiving throwdown, by the way, coming up in the, coincidentally November. And it'll be at Valor Ballroom, and that's uh, looks to be a great card as it comes together. But you and your partner are doing an outstanding job, and I'll look forward to uh, seeing you there as well. 
Thank you. Much. Thanks, guys. I'll see you tonight. All right, okay. There we go. Take quick time out. Monty, you're going to stay with us as we bring uh, Jeremy Horn into the mix. We'll talk to him for about 15. We'll go from there. You're listening to USA Tech Down as we come to you live from Wild Rose Casino in Jefferson, Iowa. It's a big fight weekend. Well, the weigh-ins are tonight at uh, the spare time bowling lanes. I got it right for the first time. Great food, but it's, it's an outstanding opportunity just to be up close and personal with the fighters and their management, their trainers, their corners. And, of course, uh, we had an opportunity to talk earlier, too, about the uh, event coming up in Humboldt, and that's uh, Purdue on the road. I believe Iowa State is the home team. So this is going to be a good opportunity for everybody to see some great fighting and uh, great wrestling. But here tonight, the weigh-ins, and then tomorrow night, doors open early, 4.30, first fights, 5.30, at Wild Rose Casino and Resort in beautiful Jefferson, Iowa. Stay tuned, there's more. This is USA Takedown on ESPN. You know you like it. Have no fear. The True American will be right back with more USA Takedown. Back to the show live from Jefferson, Iowa. We're at Wild Rose Casino and Resort. Doors of the casino opened up at uh, about 20 minutes ago. And uh, great gaming opportunities and opportunity to see great fighting. That's tomorrow night. The weigh-ins tonight. And sitting across from me is a guy who was in the boxing ring when I made my first call. And it was, I think, at Lakeside Casino in Osceola, Iowa. Does that ring a bell with you? That's very possible. Or maybe you were a guest. I think you're a fighter <laughs> that night. Either way, Monty says, I uh, need, need an announcer. Chuck can't do it. So I stepped in, and that was my very first event to announce as an announcer. And uh, it, was, it was good. You know, the rest 70, is history. 75-year right? history. <laughs> All right, welcome to the show. I think I've invited you on before, but you always had other gigs to get ready for. This <laughs> this is a fight that's uh, obviously not something you focused on, but a good mixed martial artist will always spend some time with gloves on and always spend some time uh, you know, honing the skills that make up a mixed martial artist. Of course. Can you talk to us about uh, how much focus you're putting on in, uh, boxing right now? And, Monty, I'm going to throw this mic to you as well. Uh, well, I mean... Like you said, I mean, in mixed martial arts, you have to do a little bit of everything. And since I run a gym and I train guys, I, I have to be capable of doing everything. So, uh, you know, I split my time evenly between working on the ground and working standing. And, you know, when guys come to the gym, sometimes they'll have a little bit of a, of a lean one way or the other. So, you know, I have to be capable of, of helping them, you know, maximize their potential in that area. So I got to train as much as they do. You know, you... Uh when you had your first fight on on, on the Michael Nunn uh, Pat Militich mm-hmm. uh, thing, you told me that you, you were you, you were a little bit anxious about getting tagged mm-hmm. because you hadn't re- in your MMA career you've really not been hit so hard that you can't you lose right. your balance <laughs> and such. But uh, you took a big shot there and you realized you could. It was the same in boxing. Yeah, well, you know, it, it's. It's like that. You, there's always a difference when you go from a training environment to an actual fight. You know, you guys are you're sparring and we're wearing a little bit bigger gloves and guys aren't going super hard. Even, you know, even at the end when guys are really cranking it up, getting ready and close to a fight. But there's still always that question like, you know, is there another step? Is there another level when people are actually in a fight hitting me as hard as they possibly can? So until that happens, you never really know what your reaction is going to be. So, yeah. And you found out. Yeah, I found out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
I asked Couture once, I said, uh, you know, why do you keep doing this? He said, because I love the competition. Mm -hmm. I said, but man, every time you get hit in the face, he said, well, that, my friend, is right at the top of my list of goals, to not get hit in the face. True for you as well? Absolutely. You know, people find out I, I've been fighting for as long as I have, and I continue to do it, and they're like, man, I don't, I don't understand. Why do you like getting hit in the face? And I said, I don't. Like, I like fighting. I like hitting other people. I'm just willing to risk someone hitting me for the chance to hit somebody else. I don't, I don't go into the fight wanting to get hit. That's not what I'm seeking. I want to hit somebody else. Jeremy started out, they, he and a bunch of his, uh, his friends worked at like a Holiday Inn, and they started out just their free time they would choke each other out with with uh bungee cords and ropes and yeah they they were just maniacs they they would do anything goes and they're, they're still pretty they were when when i was starting out you had brian dunn who's yeah. now the commissioner you know in uh in nebraska and he'd get done with the fight and he'd have a big cut over his eye and and everything and jim axel his buddy would come over and go let me see that and he just jab his finger in that right into his cut and make him and they laugh and i go you guys aren't all there you know but that made for great fighters <laughs> and I'll, I'll tell you just a little side note i remember a fight we did uh i think it was at seven flags and there was a kid that got, had a pretty serious cut over his eye and i'm just thinking of nothing but the two thousand dollar deductible wall i'm gonna have to pay for hospital i said you know it's not too cold on it's why don't you ride with me and i took him to the walgreens it's about midnight Took him to Walgreens. We got a, a tube of uh, super glue and a couple of butterflies. And I said, now, let's see what's going to happen. It's going to have a better chance to heal, and there won't be a scar. He reminds me of that every single time I talk to him. Yeah. Every one, time one you of, see the scar. <laughs> one of many of Scott's cheapo stories. Yes, yes. Because <laughs> no one gets the 2000 deductible anymore. We pay more money and get the 500 deductible. <laughs> but here, here's a great story for you. Tom Sauer, he's a famous MMA guy. He had Tourette's. And um, we were fighting in Holland. He's, he was the main event, and he got blasted. He was cut everywhere. Um, and we come back in the back, and it, over his eye is at least a two and a half inch gash that is wide open. He goes, Monty, he goes, we're gonna, you got to get a doctor back here. And I go out, there's nobody. They're all gone. And I come back, I go, you know, Tom, there's no one there. And he reaches in his bag and gets out a needle and thread and oh. tries to hand it to me. And I'm like, dude, I can't even touch it, let alone do you. And he goes, ah. And he gets gets in front of a mirror and he sews himself up. And I go, you're like Rambo. Yeah. You know, this is crazy. He was an EMT. But he says, he goes, it's hard looking in the mirror because everything's backwards. Mm -hmm. But Tom's since passed away. But, I mean, he was something else. Like, yeah. You were like Rambo. <laughs> he was very, very tough. <laughs> Favorite fight in your career, if there was one, I've got to believe there is. Yep. You know, because we all perform at a variety of different levels for a variety of different reasons. So one that you were definitely on your game for, outstanding performance, win or lose. Forrest Griffin. Really? Second round of the uh, uh, the IFC tournament. Denver. Yep, in Denver. How how to go for it? I don't remember the result. Uh, I won with a knockout in the second round. Second round, okay. Yeah. The, the, the picture, the picture of him kicking Forrest is famous. is one of the most famous pictures in MMA. It's everywhere. You you look online. And there's the picture of. You can look it up here in five seconds. It's uh, it's a dramatic dramatic shot. So Forrest, is it fair to say Forrest remembered you? Uh, I mean, I'm sure he did later. <laughs> Maybe not that night. When he came to, 
when he came to, he just says, uh, size 12. <laughs> Was that what? So I got hit with a size 12. There is a certain uh, story I tell about a guy who bit his tongue almost in half. It was Las Vegas, the convention at a wrestling. <laughs> Those are good picks. It was, it was a wrestling event. So you don't expect that kind of mouthful of blood. Referee comes over, doctor comes over and proceeds to stitch the tongue back together right in front of my broadcast post. And I got to tell you, I was getting sick. Finally, they finished up and they took the guy off the map. But that was like an hour I'll never get back in my life. I wonder if he lost his taste, sense of taste. <laughs> We're talking with uh, one of the greats, uh, a tremendous career. Uh, your opponent, obviously, Ryan Dirty Anthel, is a veteran fighter by all standards, 18-year professional MMA career. Uh, with a 16 and 13 overall to go with nine amateur bouts. Now, how much footage do you go back and watch of this guy, or do you focus on your game and your game only? Um, you know, so his his experience and credentials are mostly in MMA, so I don't really know how much of that would transfer over. Um, I'm not a big fan of watching videos. I just I try to focus on myself, and I try to focus on being as well rounded as I can. So you know, whatever he's going to do, hopefully, will fit into you know the uh, the game plan that I've said because I. You know, I want to try to be prepared for everything, so. All right. Now, here's the problem that I would have, much like Dan Severn had, against Butterbean. Again, Osceola, Iowa. A very inexpensive cage. It was angle iron on the corner, so it wasn't posts. And it was Dan Severn for the main event against Eric butterbean Esh. Okay? I sat him down on the bed in my room before we walked out. I said, Dan, you got to keep it standing up. This isn't uh, this isn't wrestling. This is not mixed martial arts. You both agreed to it. You agreed to your paydays, but Eric was like, okay. So he climbs in the cage, and Dan starts, you know, dancing around a little bit. Eric does his little slow walk. Then he starts jabbing. About thirty seconds later, Dan has him in a blast double down on his back. Now you know the size of Eric Ash. Butterbean is a big man. Looks like a turtle on his back. We stopped the fight, restarted it. The referee, Bart Baker, said, he said, you got to keep it standing up or I'll call the fight. Guess what happened? Down again another 22 seconds. Fight was over. But those two guys, to their credit, went outside the box, outside their comfort zone, and they put on a pretty decent show, but more than anything, they stayed until the very last person got autographs or pictures. How important is that relationship between you and your fans? Oh, it's huge. Um I, you know, I, I've always, I, I fight because I like to fight, but without the fans, I would not have the opportunity to do it like full time. I would I'd be working a full time job and still fighting. So I, I love the fans without them. I am nothing. So, I mean, I, the fans mean everything to me. Yeah. We, you know, I've traveled around with him and Jens Pulver and all the, all the guys, of course. And, and, uh, we've been in the Tokyo dome with 50,000 people and, you try to walk up to the mezzanine to get something to eat, and they just every step they're grabbed by somebody, and it takes forever, you know, to to get anywhere. And we were over there with Jens, and uh, he was like the fourth fight, and the fights had started, but we were hungry, so we wanted to get some chicken, and and uh, um, we walk, we got our chicken. We're why we walk over to the, it's an open, you know, mezzanine, and I remember look, I look down, and I go, I go, you know, uh, Jeremy, I go. What what does he what does he look what does his opponent look like and as you know the short guy with this tall hair and 
I go, like, like that guy? And he looks down the ring. We're, oh, shit. He goes, Jens, you're up. And Jens is just standing up there. He hadn't wrapped, wrapped, hadn't wrapped his hands, <laughs> hadn't done anything. We get, and as we're running down the steps, they're like, Jens, pulva, pulva. <laughs> I have some of my favorite fight presentations are when there's a male announcer and then a female announcer and maybe two different languages. Mm. Japan is, uh, you know, those folks recognize a decent fight differently. A lot of times they're very quiet. Right. No matter if their guy's winning or not. Mm -hmm. They kind of sit on their hands. It's almost nonplussed, you know yeah. what I mean? Well, they, they appreciate an actual, the, the technique of the fight rather than just being, you know, wild yeah. lunatics that are drunk already. They, they kind of like a, the golf thing, you know. They, they watch it and they appreciate the good techniques and they'll applaud for a little bit and then they're back to watching it. Right. You know? They appreciate, they study it a lot, yeah. a lot of them and 50, 60,000. What's the most you've ever fought in front of? Um, I think I had a fight in the, was it the Saitama Super Arena? I think it had like 90,000. Oof. Well, I'm, I'm confident you won that as well, but <laughs> tomorrow I'm not even going to bet, ever bet against you. Not that I ever did. Uh, October 30th. It is a, a fight here at Wild Rose Casino and Resorts. Tickets available online at nitrotickets.com. Also, you can buy them directly from the fighters uh, at the weigh-ins. That's tonight. Uh, first weigh-in is at 6, so I'm going to suggest you all start arriving there to the Fairtime Bowling uh, Alley at uh, 5.30, okay? Tickets are available for the fight itself. Now, remember, doors are at 4.30. It's kind of, I'm not exactly sure, no one's been able to, Fully explain to me why we're starting an evening of fighting at 4:30. Well, we, we we just had a lot of a lot of shows go go long. The fights have been even and stuff. And we were getting out at 11 o'clock and stuff, and it's awful late. And this is this this is Halloween weekend, and the people got some got stuff to do. So I tried to start it early. I think we'll be done uh, by 8 o'clock, and people can still have they can still do other things they want to do. Yeah, trick or treating, whatever you know, whatever. So. You know, I it's it's one of those as a promoter, you you you, you don't you always you never know when it's going to go long, and when it goes long, it's a it drags out and and people get tired. You know, they don't want to watch. I just had a show go six hours. Ooh. You know, back back That's home, exhausting. it was exhausting for everybody. And I go, we're not going to do that anymore. So we start we're starting earlier and uh, giving people a chance they can do other things. You know, there are fighters out there that can help promoters, okay? One of them is Paul Bradley. I told Paulie back at the University of Iowa, we're both students there at the time, and I said, Paul, I said, you need to uh, pre-wrap your head because he's a bleeder. All you had to do is look at his forehead and start bleeding. So I said, you need to pre-wrap your head because you're giving your opponent a chance to catch their breath while you're worried about your forehead. And from that point on, he started an, uh, pre-wrapping his head but there was a, a fight we were getting ready for and the weigh-ins were at hooters okay paul says can i check my weight scales at the back is pretty much the uh, uh, girls uh the commissioner and myself and i turn around i'm talking to the commissioner and i turn around and i turn back and there's paul standing in the middle of hooters with no clothes on <laughs> there was no privacy screen on or anything like that but that's one guy we gave him a nickname of the gentleman Okay, he tried to change it, but he he kept it, and now he legitimately owns it. But talk about a guy that started off with a great career in wrestling. I would have hoped you would have been a wrestler, because you've got that great size. <laughs> what are you, six two? Yep, six two. 
Yeah, there's, you see so many of our young wrestlers these days at the collegiate level and those that are competing, like Gable Stevenson, uh, you know, going from amateur uh, at the University of Minnesota, then going on to an outstanding career and a million-dollar signing bonus to wrestle in the WWE. Yeah. You know? I don't know if he can take a shot. I don't. But not that we want to give him that opportunity. But he's a happy young man right now with that signing bonus. What's next for you after this besides work? Just back to the gym and training, guys. I've actually got some guys back home that are fighting uh, tonight, actually. Uh, so... I will be anxious to see them back at the gym on Monday and get back to work. Now, what what is the gym called and where is it located? Uh, Elite Performance in Sandy, Utah. Elite Performance in Sandy, Utah. Mm-hmm. What took you out to Utah? Uh, girlfriend. Yeah? Yep. How's that working out for you? We split up a little while ago. Yeah, I know how that works. <laughs> Kira, my producer, is voicing her discontent. It's okay. It's okay. No, she's going to cry. We're at the Wild Rose Casino and Hotel. It's Halloween Fight Fest. Um, I never ask a fighter or a promoter, for that matter, to make a prediction on a fight. It's a good rule. But you want to go ahead and make a prediction, Money? Um, someone will win. Mm-hmm. Jeremy, you like that? I like that prediction, yeah. Okay, yep. I'll tell you what. I was looking forward to having you on the show. I'm looking forward to even more having you fight in front of our very eyes. I'll be on the pay-per-view broadcast. I'll probably be sitting there with my mouth open just watching the greatness it is. I wish you the best, my friend. It's very good to see you. Um, Even guys like me can get just a a little uh, emotional. Everybody's got um, fans and everybody's got heroes, and you're one of them. Well, thank you very much. All right. Hey, big thanks to uh, Diego Zuniga, who's going to be fighting on this card as well. Uh, he was a star on last week's show. Is he not on this card? No, he got COVID. Oh, he did? Well, no, no wonder he wasn't rushed to be on the radio. Look, I appreciate it, fellas. Monty Cox, always good to see you. Your partner's doing an outstanding job, of course. ExtremeMaximus.com, that's where you're going to find out the information about Halloween Fight Fest. Don't wait. Get your tickets now. Doors at 4.30, fights at 5.30. For Kira Jones, I'm Scott Casper. Thanks for listening to this edition of USA Takedown on ESPN.